Verse Chorus Universe DL here. Yes, it's out. 72 seasons. Yes, we've listened. Yes, we have thoughts. Since the start of this podcast with Rachel, Evil, Sven, and I, it became clear to me that there was one band and maybe one man only that all four of us fairly equally love in different ways, but definitely love. That band is Metallica. And I decided way back when, I mean, let's be honest, two years ago, The next album they came out with, we would all live react to it. We'd get together, and we'd listen together, and we'd think our thoughts together. Well, we've done that. So next week is Metallica week. Coming this Saturday, we've got our first YouTube instead of DL's verse chorus revisit. I've got a hot take on the most hated Metallica album. And then a week from the day, next week's episode is that live reaction edited. And then next Wednesday... Instead of Rachel's Oh My Word, we will be doing another Metallica YouTube with another hot take. Our Metallica Metal. And then, next Saturday, the 29th, on YouTube, live video, unedited-ish. We took a few cuts after songs for no other reasons than making sure memory cards were not full. But, other than that, completely unedited. So join us on the 22nd, on the 24th, on the 26th, and on the 29th. We're going to talk Metallica. We're excited. Good night and good luck. Coming up on Verse Chorus Verse, on a podcast full of albums, what do we do with the music before them? That's next. Welcome to episode 120 of Verse Course First. I am DL. With me is Evil, the Hound Dog, Jimmy. Evil, how are you tonight? My brain is full of music. A lot of it that I never have listened to before. So much music. Jesus Christ. I would say that most of the music I've been studying, most of the music is stuff I've never heard before. Right out the gate. We're going right out the gate. So this is a totally different episode than we've tried to do before, but there is a reason for it, I promise, and we will explain that later. But first, we should probably pretend like we just started talking and see how we're both doing. Evil, how's life? Life is good. It's busy, but good. Same here. I had a rough start to the year. Life's going good right now, though. That's good to hear. But I think everybody is busy. The pod people don't talk as much as we used to. I think we all got very busy. I agree. I'm slammed. Like I, My new job is uh, demanding at the moment. And so that's where I'm spending a lot of my efforts um, and time. Yeah. The structure of my job changed, so I'm even more busier than I was. Rachel's getting married. Sven's YouTube busy. Everybody's busy. Yeah. He has a new job, too. He has a new job too. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, doing video content with our buddy Brent. Pod's going well. Overall sentiment from contacting us has been really, really positive this year. A lot of uh, Nick Lee and Moontooth fans. A lot of awesome. people very happy to hear him talk about everything. I'm jealous that some people get to go see him play in May. Oh my God, I know. Someday, right? That was a lot of fun. I want to chat with him again at some point and the whole band would be kind of cool the whole to, band. to talk with as well Ooh. they're so talented man it's, and they write great music too we got to get to the most important part of the night because i just saw you drinking it and i'm jealous uh, <laughs> uh eve i almost called you Sven. i officially just call you Sven and Sven evil now 
Really? Because I, d- <laughs> I was talking to Sven earlier tonight, and I called him evil like three times. Oh, that's funny. So, evil. <laughs> Sorry for calling you Sven, Man, and what oh are my. you drinking? <laughs> Have we talked about what timeline we're doing yet? We haven't talked about shit. I saw your drink, and I just... Well, shit. Instinct let, kicked in. This is a good... Oh, this. Let it lead us in. I... I'm having a double old-fashioned. A super old-fashioned. Super old-fashioned. <laughs> Four ounces of Buffalo Trace and some Ooh. sugar and a bunch of bitters and let's do it. So why mm. would I be drinking an old-fashioned, my friend? So, year dissections. Evil and I have gotten good at them. We've been doing them. We've done, how many have we done now? Six? Poof. Has it been that many? This will be our seventh. Wow. But here's the thing. This year, I was trying to come up with a table to make sure that the years that we hit are exactly in between the years that we need to. Was that clear as mud? Sorry. <laughs> it's a... Those are some muddy waters, my friend. Hey, oh, dad joke <laughs> of the night. But in order to figure out what years we should be doing to even them out, I needed a starter year and we needed a ending year. After doing some research, I very, very quickly came to the realization that the prime year to start for album dissections between for a whole year is 1964. No contest, very obvious. I haven't asked the question, and I've saved it for now. Why? What did you find that made that the magic number? That's what my whole thesis is for this episode, <laughs> so I can't tell you that yet. Okay, that's fine. All I can tell you is that there are countries and there are disc jockeys and there is radio and there are changes to vinyl and there is production that all just decided to happen in 1964. That's fair. Tonight, what do we do with this music before 1964? We can't just say fuck it because believe it or not, there were a couple pretty good songs before 1964. <laughs> just a few. There were a couple. We are going to summarize everything ever between before <laughs> 1964. What a dumb idea <laughs> this was. <laughs> yeah. No, it was brilliant. Whoever came up with yeah, it, it was. is brilliant. <laughs> we are fully admitting that this episode is going to be an absolute clusterfuck. This is going to be trash. It is. But it's going to be fun. So exactly. It's going to be trash in a good way. We are going to get 80 messages saying, how in the ever-loving fuck could you leave so-and-so out? How? Yeah. Oh, God. Yes. It's going to be... I expect all of it. Yes. Unless we literally just listed names for the next hour for our podcast, <laughs> we're going to miss people. <laughs> Yeah. There were no parameters, but I personally tried to stick to, I'll talk a little bit about stuff that happened in the 10s and the 20s, but the music is mostly 40s, 50s, 60s. What about you? Did you set yourself any parameters? I wanted to, to start as broadly as possible. The first recorded music was in the late 1800s. Yeah. So there was no music industry surrounding that yet. So, but I, I wanted to like start with the, the widest parameters and sort of like hone in. And first of all, I reached out to you at one point. And I'm like, what in the fuck are we going to do? For this? <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to do this? This was such a mistake. There's so much music to parse through. And when we kind of realized that this wasn't going to be a normal your music dissection. Mm-hmm. I just kind of threw all the rules out the window and I just started listening to music because who the fuck am I to judge music? Some of which came out longer before I was born than as old as I am now, you know, so- way longer. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
I started treating it like musical archaeology. Love that. Just digging up shit and finding and like, oh, this is cool. And here's this. And oh, this person did this version of this from this person. Mm-hmm. And that made it so much more interesting and I think fruitful in terms of like what's the best music pre-1964 i'm just like there's yeah there's no way a that anyone would be able to do that and b any way i should be doing that i love that i'm very similar i will say that there is also a little part of me that i feel like i'm doing this because nobody's ever complained it's a personal thing and actually i'll ask if you ever feel this either but There's always a little part of me that when I'm talking about a band, for some reason, if I'm dissecting someone or something like that, or or we're talking Led Zeppelin and their innovation and their amazement, I almost feel like before we do that, if we talk about their influences Mm. and their influences influences, then we don't have to go the whole route of, yeah, 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 I know that they stole this music and whatever, whatever. Getting the Little Richards and the Chuck Berries and the going after that first, it's nonsensical but in my head it gives me free reign to just talk about whatever the hell i want moving forward yeah of course that's what we're doing obviously we're not going way the fuck back look there's also we haven't done it yet but there are plans to talk classical music on this podcast and you know we'll go back 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 we might talk about some tonight actually i have an album that i'm going to talk about that you could definitely categorize as classical so how about i just shut the fuck up and try to (laughs) shut the fuck up and talk right you're still teetotaling right now yeah yes so what am i drinking i am drinking coffee this is the last non-drinking episode for me this was a hard one I really want to drink, not, (laughs) and not a, uh, fuck man. I got the shakes sort of thing. Just a, (laughs) this music is so fun. Yeah. And I'm just watching evil drink his old fashioned and I'm just, it's a good one too. Yeah. I made a good one. I feel really good. It wasn't alcohol related because like I said, I don't ever drink on the weekdays and stuff, but I have been getting back up and working out in the mornings again. It feels good. I'm very secure in my mental state and look forward to what episode is it that I will be back on the wagon off the wagon off the wagon off the wagon is when you're drinking right yeah you know what it's gonna be it's gonna be in person is what it's gonna be (gasps) yeah are you serious that's gonna be dangerous (laughs) yes yes we could talk about that a little bit evil yeah let's we might as well just talk about it we are doing a live reaction episode next week it will be on the pod live reacting for video we'll probably do a little bit of a clip or two that night live while we're actually doing the reaction we're going to record video that'll be actually fairly non-edited that sven's going to cut to youtube and then we'll make a podcast episode out of it evil what are we reacting to we are going to react to the new Metallica album. Fuck yeah, we are. Meeting up in a hotel in Boise, Idaho. We're going to listen to the new Metallica. We're going to go song by song. I'll ask Lars. I have an inkling. He's probably going to say, no, you can't have the rights to play the music. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to wear a Napster t-shirt. So what we'll do is we're basically going to play a song cut to us talking about it and all 12 tracks. I know that you would prefer if 
we didn't listen to the music Son of a bitch. beforehand. So it was, I originally was like, fuck that. I'm going to listen to whatever is available because fuck you. You don't make rules for me. But I have been satiated in the realm of new heavy music. I listened to the first single quite a bit. And then I listened to the second single a little bit. And then the most recent one, I started listening to it and then I stopped it. I'm going to hold out until the recording to react to this. So it will be mostly spontaneous for me. We cannot spend time on Metallica. We've just wasted like fucking 10 minutes. We're going to take a break. We have to get into this. We'll be right back. (laughs) You ain't nothing but a Nineteen sixty-four. Everything ever in the world, not really. Were there any specific rituals listening that you had for this, or was it just random fifties mixes, random sixties mixes? Go. When we've previously done like year in music breakdowns, there's at least been some direction. Yeah. What were the top albums this yeah. year? I would go through Wikipedia's all of the albums re- released. Mm-hmm. Compare that to what, what like the top albums were, top album lists from various outlets and whatever, and kind of check the check mark the stuff that I was interested or like. This was you fucking can't do that with this. There's just way too much. <laughs> it's, it's so true. So I was beyond overwhelmed. Even just like a ten year span, even if it was just like the fifties. Mm-hmm. It would have been fucking super overwhelming. Which, and that's an eventual thing we can do too. Yeah, yeah. What I found trying to get into it is there were some playlists and stuff like that. I listen to a lot of vinyl. I have a lot more pre-64 vinyl than I thought, which makes me happy. Ooh. You know what else makes me happy? That fucking music. <laughs> One of the things I've been trying yes. to figure out this year is last year I suffered major burnout. This year, I am the opposite of. This year, I am just like, give me more fucking music. Yeah. And I think the two reasons are, number one, there was so much forced listening last year. There were so many brand new albums that we had to listen to, and every band came out with something. This year, we're covering on the pod a lot of older stuff. It's just so good. Mm, Yes. So good. Yes. Because they fucking had to be. (laughs) (laughs) they had to be good because they had to perform like as i started listening to the music i quickly realized that there were some similarities into how music was released in this era Mm -hmm. compared to how it is today absolutely not album focused at all you and i lived through an era that was like an anomaly The album era. And I don't know if it's ever going to come back. The only thing that might save it is how much more popular vinyl is getting again. I I agree. And and we talked about this with Nick and Lee, how he felt kind of overwhelmed, always having to put content, 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 TikTok and reels and all the shit all the time. And Mm -hmm. I've always felt like that is such an ephemeral thing. It just, it's there, it gets your attention, it's a dopamine hit, and then it just fades away. And I think there will always be a place for albums because they are they exist. They're this thing that sort of lives in, in a time that you can always go back to. But in terms of like being the driving force of the music industry, uh, 
I yeah. don't know. I yeah. don't know if that's a thing anymore. It sure as shit ain't now. No. So here's the difference is back then you had to be fucking good. Let's take the Grammys, for example. Record of the year, album of the year. Those are two different things. Album mm-hmm. is like a group of songs. I think it's confusing because we refer to it as vinyl now because fucking hipster fuckheads. That's how you call it. You just call it, it's vinyl. Watch your mouth. They used to be records. We call these things <laughs> yeah. records. The reality is a record means you recorded something. It was yes. the record of the, of the year is the recording of the year. We've talked about artists stealing or borrowing or, or whatever you want to call it from other artists. But back in the day, you were judged on your performance of the song. Mm-hmm. It was your recording, your record of the song. To be good, you had to have a fucking good record, which meant a good performance because it was all live. There was like a mic in a room and a bunch of people playing music and you got you had to be on. Even though the the creation and distribution of the music was still sort of like singles focused. Yeah. It was about the performance not the production, which is what it's about today. Today, it's about the manufacturing and the production of the music. That's what makes it good, the quality. Back then, it was how fucking good are you as how, a musical performer? And that's yes. the huge difference, even though it's kind of similar in terms of album is not the main vehicle of delivery of music anymore. One of the things I like about how much I've studied over the last few months, this era, some of these haven't come out, so I'll just run them down for you. I've already done a jazz episode with Sven where we talked about Billie Holiday. I studied the Ronettes, which means fucking Phil Spector. And Mm -hmm. we did Chuck Berry. Yeah. That went well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you would have asked me, I'd say a decade ago, I was very much the guy that was, I love Led Zeppelin, but like screw Led Zeppelin. They stole their stuff from this guy. And then you end up going, well, screw Elvis. He stole all this stuff from these guys. And eventually you just end up in this pool of hate. (laughs) And studying for this made me realize that really at some point I stopped looking at it as stealing. Because if you really sit down and study this shit, yeah, Elvis was doing a lot of the exact same stuff that Muddy Waters was doing. Mm-hmm. But Elvis was so fucking different. It was a completely different ballgame. You can't blame one person for hearing the Delta Blues that Muddy Waters was doing and saying, oh, fuck, I want to do that too. Like, you can't be mad at that. Right. And I'll get to it later. There are a couple shitty things in the industry that happen with that. But especially for somebody like an Elvis who Elvis didn't. He wasn't a fucking market plant. Elvis fucking grew up around that shit. He loved it. That was in his blood, man. Mm -hmm. That was in his bones. Studying for this really, really warmed me to the Bo Diddley's and the Chuck Berry's and the Little Richard's that you could keep going back and saying, well, who was the original? And, And I stopped looking at it like that. And I started just being like, who gives a shit? This music is all so... These people were all so goddamn good. You go back far enough... You get to blues standards and jazz standards where no one's playing their own music. They're just, and yeah. it's about just, you just have to be fucking good. You yes. stand out by performing really well. The music that sticks out to me are the people who just perform well. We can't make every episode about George fucking Gershwin. You know what I mean? <laughs> like every, every episode can't be about Rosetta Tharp. Like we actually have to talk about the people that didn't just create it, but extended it or whatever you want to say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
he didn't make any of my top lists. One of the artists that I was really considering putting on top albums was Glenn Gould. I mean, he's playing Bach, you know? I mean, fucking seriously old classical music. So I'm like, pre-1964, how far back do you want to go? He almost made it. All, I, I, very last minute, I took him off. Motherfucker, he is one of my awards right. for the end of the episode. Yeah. I don't even know See, how. To how d- does that happen? How does that happen? How do we we have eight quadrillion artists and we end up having the? It's just so random. Man. I don't know how do the awards. It didn't. I, I, You'll figure it out. I believe. Nah, you. Nah. <laughs> I'm going to start a conversation with you by telling you kind of where my head was at, why I picked pre 1964. Okay what the industry was doing. I think it's very easily pinpointed as the kind of the start of album culture. Mm -hmm. I know it's ridiculous, but the only time that I'm really going to concentrate on is basically 59 to 64. Okay. Quote unquote, the day that music died when, Mm -hmm. when Buddy Holly died. Oh, that's, that's a good take. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you do. So (laughs) it's easy to talk about times before that. The influences are obvious Everything was amazing, but from 59 to 63, things got extremely complicated in the music industry. And one of the reasons was, is because there was kind of this, I'm not saying there wasn't amazing music made in that time because there was, but there was also kind of this dark age, I guess I'll say. Okay. And the reason that is, it feels dumb to even talk about it, but we have to talk about it. Buddy Holiday, Buddy Holiday, Jesus Christ, (laughs) Buddy (laughs) Holiday. Was one of the most innovative writers yeah. we will ever see. Yeah. The structure of songs that he brought to the table have molded everything that we would do. He dies. Chuck Berry. We already talked about Chuck Berry. Mm-hmm. Chuck Berry created guitar rock, essentially. At this time, he's arrested for things we talked about plenty. So he's not doing anything. Jerry Lee Lewis the killer he along with little richard made stage presence what rock and roll was he was the killer mm-hmm. and he disappeared from the industry because of what he did speaking of little richard little richard at this time decided fuck rock and roll i want to be a minister so he stops creating music and elvis joins the army all of these top people that the industry was completely based around had kind of disappeared there were some boring things too about vinyl that changed, like the RPMs started changing and the, there was mm. the 78s and the 45s and all of that. We also had the payola scandal. The payola scandal was these specific disc jockeys were being given money to essentially sell specific rock. Congress amends the Federal Communications Act to outlaw under-the-table payments and require broadcaster to disclose if airplay for a song has been purchased. So there's no more under-the-table paying for a specific song. What this does is this gives producers precedence over songwriters before Mm. this it was people that were writing songs for elvis it was people that were helping little richard write something now it's producers you had like your bob dylan's and things like that which will sure at least be touched on but you had people like phil specter phil specter being the guy that the music industry begins to concentrate on and because of this because producers and vinyl is much more concentrated on, they figure out, hey, what we do is we get in and we record a bunch of tracks and we just put them all on the same thing. Hmm. 
now we have albums. And the only other thing that made me pick 64 is the British Invasion. That was when the Beatles, the Stones, the Kinks, the Animals, Mm. all those guys, it was a money print. So we go in, we have our producer, we do our 10 or 12 tracks, we cut an album, people will pay. I don't know what the prices were back then. So I want to add some like geopolitical and cultural seasoning to this. I like it. November 22nd, 1963 is when President Kennedy was assassinated. The following year was Gulf of Tonkin and things were already kind of brewing in Vietnam, but the escalation like ramped up hugely. Yes. So in terms of like cultural reaction to just what was going on at the time, like a lot of the music we talked about in Woodstock was a direct result of that so uh, yeah how you can't discount what's going on in the world at the time and how it influences artistic reaction to things so that that paired with all of the stuff that you just talked about with the music industry was like a slingshot for pushing forward music as an art form or you can just go even fucking easier and say look 1964 is when Hard Day's Night came out. 1964 is when, (laughs) you know, 12 by 5 by the Rolling Stones came out. Like, it could be just that fucking simple. You know what I mean? You're quite the Elvis guy. I like Elvis. I grew up with Elvis. That's why I like Elvis. I don't like everything that Elvis has done. I hope not. Because he did some crap. uh, Yeah. (laughs) He's cranking out them movies and... I have a a, a blue. (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Don't tell me you like Blue Christmas, Evil. This is the fucking best era of Christmas music. It is indisputable. Yeah, I don't think I'd argue that. When was Phil Spector's christmas album the christmas gift from phil specter yeah that's 63 you have all of the the bing crosby's and bing the, crosby you know, and it is the fucking era for christmas music all of the good christmas oldies are from they're called oldies I mean. yeah yeah i'm not gonna fight you on that one okay british versus american in this time it's all american right at this point in time this is before those thieving, limey fuckers got a hold of our music. <laughs> that's that's the line I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> like, you're going to hate my top five songs. You're going to hate them. I might not. Eh. I might. I might hate them. Was there an album or an artist or a song or something like that that ended up everywhere that you had never heard of? It sounds like quite a bit oh, for that you. I'd, that I'd never heard of. Or, or weren't familiar with, or you know what I mean? Didn't realize how big they actually were. Let me think about that, but you go for it. So I knew him. I knew who he was. I knew his story, but I never sat down and really listened to him. That's Glenn Gould. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, we could do a fucking three-parter on Glenn Gould. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) That's for sure. That's one of the most insane, interesting stories in music ever. That was super interesting, and I'm looking forward to uh, learning more about him. Someone who I was fucking blown away by. Talent, performance, all the things I talked about before. And how much music that she cranked out before she died is Billie Holiday. Mm. That was, I don't want to say fun because she, you know, she passed away fairly young. She had a tough fucking life, man. Yeah, but discovering her as an artist was, was enjoyable for me. She's pretty fucking awesome. 
I knew Billie Holiday, but I didn't know Billie Holiday. Yeah, yeah, yep, same. Episode 116, for all of you people listening, if you haven't heard it yet, Sven and I, once a year, we exchange jazz artists and we kind of teach each other about it. And the one that I picked was Billie Holiday. There's a kind of a full short rundown of her life in that episode. Go check it out. But I knew her songs, always loved her voice. But after I studied for that episode... I am completely head over heels mm. in love with fucking Billie Holiday. She was just fucking amazing. Studying for this, did your thoughts change on any artists or music that you, you know, had built in your head a certain way? We talked about him, you and I, recently. And this could probably just as easily have been an answer for your previous question. I knew about Muddy Waters. I'd mm. heard some of his stuff, but I didn't really know Muddy Waters what did I say to you? Like he, he is the, the motherfucker of all motherfuckers. That is. guy is everything you want to be dripping from a blues musician. Yes. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> the swagger, the talent, that guy is fucking blues. And so I 100% get now why he is the influence for a lot of musicians who I had known much more broadly before digging into him. Yeah, and it's not even, hopefully this doesn't come off wrong, but when you listen to Muddy Waters, it's not like a, wow, this was really good for its time. Wow, this is really good because it influenced other artists. You listen to Muddy Waters and it's, if that dude was an artist that came out with songs that he had today, I would be like, holy fuck. Fuck, who is this guy? <laughs> and he's he's playing like 12 bar blues. It's not like complicated shit. It's done. It's that's all it, that's what it is. And, and, and you hear someone in the background, like, yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's <laughs> it, you feel that. You can feel it. Yes. I got AirPods in walking my dog last night, and I'm like, I, I, I'm, I'm walking in a way to where I, it's in the dark. Got thank face. God, that if someone like was driving by, they're like, something is wrong with that guy. I'm just like, it's so into it. It's like, ah, you know, you can hear it. Now, when I was a young boy, at the age of five, my mother child gonna be the greatest man alive. That's how yeah. fucking dense that is. Ugh. We need to make shirts that say, I'm fine. I'm just listening to Muddy Waters. <laughs> My face scrunches up into weird, like contortionist looks when I'm listening. I'm just like, Ugh, you know, so I've talked mostly for, for me about looking back and thoughts that have changed. I've already talked most of it. I don't look at it anymore as biting off who and things like that. It was just all great. Not that it ever should have been a versus or that it was in their stories in life. Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday were always kind of versus just because they were kind of in the same time frame and they were both in different big bands at the same time. And they even had like a couple of they'd have like jazz nights where both clubs. It's, but it's just it's Nicki Minaj and Cardi B all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. There's no coming back from that. <laughs> I think we need to get into our albums and our artists. It's going to take a long time. 
I think we need to get into yeah, it. Yeah, and that'll we'll have more conversation yeah. geared off of that for sure. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. We are back. We're just going to jump right into this. We're we okay. So here's what happened. We tr- <laughs> we. It's a it's a match, it folks. So we really did because I'm a stubborn ass. Try to come up with a top ten albums pre sixty four. We tried pretty hard to make it work, and I think it was about seventy two hours ago that Evil was finally like DL. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are we doing? <laughs> it's, it's a bad idea. Have you ever tried to argue Little Richard versus Hank Williams? It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't work. (laughs) Instead, we both do have a top 10. So it's essentially a top 20. There are some honorable mentions on there. The only one that I want to mention before I actually get into my top 10-ish albums that I don't really have on there but deserves a talk about, and maybe you have it, I don't think you do though, is the uh, Free Will and Bob Dylan. Mm -mm. No, I'm not a Bob Dylan fan. I would never have him on any list. I understand why people put them on their lists. I would never do such a thing. How dare you? (laughs) Blown in the wind. None of that. Like, no, I don't fucking like his music. (laughs) I understand that it is objectively good stuff. I get that, but I don't fucking like it. Oh my God. This is, this is a wonderful take. (laughs) DL doesn't know where to go from there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I get it. I honestly do. I am not the Bob Dylan guy that most people are. I really am not. I love some of his like tangled up in blue and some of that stuff. I really, really like. I'll frame it this way. I fucking love Metallica. I know that in times of war, our forces have used Metallica as torture against the other side of things. (laughs) They just will fucking play it super loud. Bob Dylan would do that to me. I get that. Uh It's good, but it would fucking, I would cave and tell them all of the national secrets I can't do this. I can't. I can't. You don't like Bob Dylan. <laughs> send hate mail. I, I don't care. You can send, please. I'll read them all. What is your number 10? I, I have an 11. I sent you 11. I don't know if you know that or not. I picked 11 albums. For people listening who may not know how we do this, we argue over a top 10 list. And what we the way we start that process is we'll send each other our top whatever lists. And it's usually longer than 10. It's usually like 12 or whatever. And then we'll we'll kind of see where those line up. If any artist like makes both of our lists, then that one automatically goes on the canonical top 10, right? Four albums were on hmm. both of our lists and we'll right. read those right. last. Those will be our last four that we read. So in no particular order, I'm going to call out my alternate, my 11th, okay. as the Everly Brothers, the Everly Brothers. Got Yep. Okay. I'll call that my my alternate. This felt like cheating, but I, I he had to be on here. It's Django Reinhardt's Jangology, which is like a it's like a compilation, but but it's so I mean, good. Right. Like <laughs> if you don't know who Django Reinhardt is, we can't be friends. <laughs> uh <laughs> 20s, 30s gypsy jazz mm-hmm. and as a guitar fan, 
you know, I were talking about earlier how we keep, you look back and like this person's influences played this music and they stole it from here, but that, that influence stole it from here. You kind of wind up at Django at some point for a lot of this. Yep. If you're a guitar fan. Yeah. It's all like big Joe Williams and Django. Yeah. 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 He's from Belgium. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He also, uh, his, I mean, I knew he was he, European, but he was badly burned and he, two of his fingers are like fused together from that injury wise which makes his playing even more ridiculous. He was a Eddie Van Halen influence. He was a POW. He That dude had a life, man. He had a serious life. Django is an awesome one. My number 10, which I don't think he's on yours, and I don't know how that happened, James Brown's Live at the Apollo. It's a live album. Here's why. By no means am I like taking shots at this era of James Brown. I uh-huh. like the later James Brown. Like he had basically two different bands and two different sounds. Yeah. I like the, the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. You like the cape being thrown yeah. over? Yeah. yeah. I like band leader. Not that he was. Right. I, oh, I'm kind of saying the same thing. Still a little bit jazz clubby, James yeah. Brown. It's And it's fucking amazing too. Mm-hmm. My next one we did a whole episode on was uh, Chuck Berry's On Top, which... If Django was your cheat, Chuck Berry on top's my cheat, because that is kind of a compilation. But a lot of albums were in this era. Like, they all were. <sighs> we talked about Chuck Berry in a previous episode. We're not going to do it again, but that album kicks fucking ass. And it's just, it's got the blueprint of rock and roll for the next 70 years all over it. What do you have next? Sam Cooke, self-titled Sam Cooke. Fucking Sam Sam Cooke. Cook was someone who I didn't know much about before doing this. And now I'm very happy that I do. Fully admitting, I do not talk about Sam Cooke enough. He's never in the top of my vocal singers. I was always much more of like a a Joe Williams and Otis Redding guy. But Sam Cooke was such a good influence of all that stuff. Yeah. Fucking summertime. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) My next one is Here's Little Richard. A wop bop a loo bop a wop bamboo. Little Richard was, he had the writing of Chuck Berry and the stage presence of Jerry Lee Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) God damn, he was fucking amazing. And his time was, I wish he would have done more. I wish he would have done more drugs. But yeah, it's here's little Richard. Uh, Evil, what's what's another one for you? The Chirping Crickets by the Crickets. Mr. Holly himself. Buddy Holly himself. That album's fucking good, man. It really is kind of the structure of a ton of the shit we listen to now. Mm-hmm. My next one, uh, I think we already talked about it. My next one is Ella and Louie. Yeah. It's a cheat. It's just getting to the two biggest jazz artists ever, with the exception of maybe one that we're going to talk about later. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both powerhouses. They were both, I mean, any famous jazz performer will list Louis Armstrong as an influence. Yeah. Like you can't talk about jazz without talking about Louis Armstrong and Ella's Ella. And they yeah. worked well together and the, the album's amazing and it's pretty well, simple. fucking talk about, I sent you that screenshot of Blue Yodel number nine. That was recorded yeah. in 19 fucking 30. Yeah. 19. This is Pre-World War II with Jimmy Rogers was singing, who like basically invented country music. God damn, man. What a... Car- Louis Armstrong... It did everything. <laughs> Me next. Uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Burnett and the Rock and Roll Trio, their debut album. 
they weren't on my radar at all going through this stuff. Just wait until we talk our favorite five <laughs> albums. Oh my God. <laughs> I found some stuff after the fact that I'm just like, you're quite the rockabilly fan. Uh, I like, God, yeah, I do like rockabilly. <laughs> I do. <laughs> my next one. And I'm very surprised that you weren't ringing this bell. And I was, uh, Hank Williams sings. I feel like it. Okay. Was Hank Williams too on the nose country for you? Yes. Yeah. If you go to like, I don't know, Pitchfork, for example, Mm -hmm. from this era, they're going to list a bunch of obscure jazz and Hank Williams. It's too easy. Of course, Hank Williams is, he's fucking Hank Williams. I half agree with you because I do think there are specific things that Hank Williams did that was raw fucking country. I don't disagree with you at all. But I have a country album as well. So, you know, what's funny is we actually, I wasn't as engulfed in it as you were because your dad was right. He was a rodeo star, but I grew up my, so my uncle, I was really close to my cousin, Jenny and Johnny, and their dad was a jockey. He was jockey of the year at LeBois for like seven years in a row. He was fucking awesome. And I spent a lot of time at LeBois, like hanging out with, yeah. Dudes wearing cowboy hats, chain smoking, non-filtered cigarettes and singing, Hey, good looking like, (laughs) but you have not the other end. We'll say a more Quentin Tarantino esque (laughs) country. (laughs) Gunfighter ballads and trail songs by Marty Robbins, which is a fucking awesome album. Listen, I'll say that Hank Williams is broadly more influential than this album. Hank Williams influences like punk music. Yeah. But in terms of like country and Western music, this might be one of the most influential albums of all time. Yeah. Pre Johnny Cash. Well, there's nothing rock and roll about this. Yes. Yeah. It's like storytelling country. It's more like fucking Gordon Lightfoot. Yeah. You know, (laughs) honestly, I mean, it really is. (coughs) I like that. (laughs) My next one is Moanin' in the Moonlight by Howlin' Wolf. So this is my, I love all these artists, but I don't know what it is about Howlin' Wolf. We talk about waving the flag for specific artists. Howlin' Wolf, I will just tell everybody all the time to go fucking listen to Howlin' Wolf. Mm-hmm. And Moanin' in the Moonlight is, every song is kind of what, what Evil was talking about with Muddy Waters. Yeah. You listen to it yeah. and... He's got the extreme gritty soul voice pouring sweat over his guitar. Mm. Like just it's dripping off of him. Yes. Yes. It's that perfected. We're down to where we're going to start crossing over. Aren't we? I think we have one. I think you probably have. I've got one more and I want to say I'm surprised this isn't on your list, but I'm not because of someone else who's going to be on both of our lists. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's John Coltrane's blue train who if Sven was here, he would talk for a half hour right now <laughs> i i didn't steer away from jazz I, like okay i listened to a fuckload of jazz for the episode but i've kind of steered away from it in terms of like narrative and and the story of the music because i know that you guys have talked about jazz a ton already well and jazz was its own thing still yeah like yeah. jazz was hugely popular it wasn't like it is now where jazz is some side thing that it's hard to find jazz was as big as all the stuff we're talking about now. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Blue train is a, an amazing, amazing 
jazz album, but I think you're right. We're not there yet. Uh, <laughs> so, and then I have one more that I did put on here, which is the King Cole trio. It's the Capitol presents it's cheating again. Cause it's like four albums of Nat King Cole, but that's another one of those. It, I would akin that to muddy waters that if any jazz artist starting in like the thirties on any performer gives their influences, they are all going to say Nat King Cole. Mm, mm-hmm. Not only is this album amazing, but I just felt like it has to, Nat King Cole has to be brought up and not only brought up, but this is, it's just kind of like everything you want out of jazz performance. Yeah. It's not the dirty jazz. It's not experimental. It's not like, okay. So now we are at the four that we agreed on. Yep. I'll give you your pick. You give the first one. Uh, oh, the first one. Oof. Just anyone you want. Bo Diddley. Bo Diddley. Mm, yeah. yeah it's kind of the same thing it's a lot of the same stuff we talked about with chuck berry yeah he had his own sound he had his own thing he he had a lot of grittier though there was a uh he's before chuck berry right dirty shit with his mm-hmm. guitar half or more of the songs are he just saying his name in them it's fucking like <laughs> that's <laughs> the guy's got some giant balls <laughs> god damn it man <laughs> I love that. that you need a rectangular like, guitar and you're set. The one that I'll do is Lady in Satin by Billie Holiday. Mm-hmm. So Billie Holiday has two you have to own albums to me. Lady Sings the Blues, which is just, it's everything that you, it's Strange Fruit and it's God Bless the Child and it's just a beautiful Billie. But then there's Lady in Satin. Billy is kind of deep into her drug addiction. And she, when she recorded that, she had lost a lot of weight and she was kind of headed towards the other end of her career. Yeah. She sounds frail and scratchy and you can feel every single word she says. She is just pouring herself onto that album and it's fucking amazing. Uh, that's Lady in Satin. And that leaves us with two. Well, I know which one I have to take. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis Presley. Elvis, you Elvis came in Presley. as evil hound dog Jimmy. You do have to take Elvis. It's Elvis. Yeah. I mean, he's the king, man. Fuck. I, I'm glad you've warmed up to him at least a little bit here. He, <laughs> Elvis was fucking absurd. He would like anybody. <laughs> you, you can't deny it. You can't. Uh, he was just on a whole other fucking level. Like he's the example. When I say like this era is about performance, he is the example of that. Yeah. Like he would, he can take a song. It could be a shitty song written by a nobody mm-hmm. or one of the greatest blue songs of all time. Give it to Elvis. He's going to go out there and do something with it that no one else could do. Yes. That's, that's what made him the king. That's why he was, it was Beatlemania before Beatlemania. The Beatles wanted to be Elvis. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they've, they've, they would have been the first to say it. That, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They were obsessed with Elvis all the those Elvis, people. man. Yeah. He, uh... And then the last one, which I don't, I don't feel like we're going to get a lot of pushback on, but I, it's one of the greatest albums of all time. It's one of the greatest jazz albums of all time. It, changed everything it somehow has stayed not only relevant but just a masterpiece no matter what era you listen to it in and it's kind of blue by miles davis it's it's the perfect album i feel like you could put on 
kind of blue to somebody that fucking hates jazz. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they would be, holy shit, I need to listen to this at least once a year. Yeah. Those are the, these have to be talked about albums. I hope you're all right with those. Miles Davis, Billy Holiday, Elvis, and Bo Diddley. That's an okay four for us to agree on, I think. (laughs) I think so. I think we did all right. Now we got to get to, did you do favorite albums or artists? I did favorite albums albums let's start with did you do you have five i have more than five i do two <laughs> i'll do five because i have two that have already been talked about which is lady in satin by billy holiday and uh ellen louie so those would be in my top five but we already talked about them so i don't have to so my five albums are going to be in very stark contrast to my five songs. Okay. Because we're going to do songs too. As a podcast, we talk mostly about albums. I wanted to be a little bit more serious and more deliberate with the picks for the albums. And when I kind of came up with the theme of musical archaeology, that's when I really started to dive in and listen to stuff I've never heard before. I'm going to start with alternates. First one I mentioned before, it's jazz pop. Sinatra's Songs for Swingin' Lovers from Uh, 1956, which I've heard a lot of before, but I haven't really, I've never really sat down and listened to a lot of Sinatra before. Really? Not like deliberately. I mean, Sinatra's everywhere. He's one of those artists that's just fucking everywhere. Yeah, that's true. You don't seek out Frank. It just plays. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. I've listened to tons of Sinatra in my life. Yeah. But never sat down and deliberately done it. But that fucking album is amazing. Uh, 1956. It's a different version of Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. The next alternate, it is Les Paul and Mary Ford. Mm. The album is Les and Mary from 1955. I have never sat and listened to Les Paul's music before. Yeah, he was all right. Fuck. (laughs) Oh my God. The fact that he was doing this, I mean, it's weird, like trippy pop music, really, is what it is. Funky guitar effects and stuff. But the fact that he was doing this in 1955 blows my mind. I love the Les Paul and Mary Ford stuff. I loved the real couples that would do music together. The shit that he is doing with his guitar in 1955. God damn incredible. And then the third one is a good kind of segue to the actual list itself. And it's Muddy Waters' first album that he recorded. It's Muddy Waters Sings mm. Bill Brunzi from 1960. I, I had to put Muddy Waters on there, so I picked his first album. Yeah. I don't think we're done talking Muddy nope. Waters either. So I'm going to start the top five at with actually with my number one album, just because we've already talked about it. And it's 1959's Moaning in the Moonlight. Like I said, Howlin' Wolf doesn't get enough credit. He and Muddy Waters had a friendly rivalry regarding who the blues master was. If you are a fucking rival of Muddy Waters, <laughs> you need to be talked about more. Yeah, yeah. That is the first one I'm saying I'm number five. It would be my number one. Mine are unranked. I'm going to start with, okay, number one, these are all from the 50s. All of them. All of them are from the 50s. Okay. Okay, I have a blues album. And it's Big Bill Brunsey sings folk songs from 1957. And I found it because of the Muddy Waters sings Big Bill Brunsey from 1960. <laughs> you understood the assignment. You yes. went You went back, 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 back. Yes. I love yes. that. Arkansas. But he died in Chicago because duh. Because blues. <laughs> Listen to those two albums together. Listen to Big Bill Brunsey sings folk songs, which is fucking great. And then Muddy Waters sings Big Bill Brunsey. 
do it. Just listen, listen to blues. <laughs> just listen to blues. Everybody just do it. My number four is my, I don't want to say it's a cop out, but it's my duh one, I guess we'll say. I don't know. For me, not for you, but it's 1963's With the Beatles. That's. It's their first amazing album. <laughs> it's got It Won't Be Long, All My Lovin', Stolen Rollover Beethoven, I Want to Be Your Man. It's got money. It's the Beatles' first incredible album. Before I, I talk about any of my music, I'll say I'll allow it because it's within the bounds of the rules. It's 63. It's fucking cheating, though. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> How, why is it cheating? It's 63. I said it's within the rules. <laughs> That you know what you which did. is in the rules <laughs> is not cheating. Let me go with the album that I obviously heard music from. And anyone who's seen Beetlejuice has Oh shit. Yeah. It's Calypso, Calypso. By Harry Belafonte, nineteen fifty six. I love which that. Is, it is a ten out of ten album. I, I'm not kidding. It's so good. <laughs> that is a great pick. As a guy that grew up with a man crush on Desi Arnaz, <laughs> Harry Belafonte was, that's a good pick. I don't know if it's better than my next one. It might be. <laughs> and there's a little bit of recency bias, but 1946's Harry Parch's U.S. Highball. Oh, nice. This is. I think that that is. Six tracks of hobo poetry of beautiful, complex, I dare you to try to understand <laughs> letters from friends being read off while there's a freaking 814 time signature of his own invented instruments. <laughs> it's not an easy listen, <laughs> but you will never hear anything even close to like it. And that's fucking cool to me. What's your next one? Didn't know anything about it. Never heard anything like it. Still chewing mm. on it. It is Sun Ra's Sound of Joy from 1957. Yeah, fucking two-tone. Talking about, it's not an easy listen for me. Like, it's cha that was challenging, but it's amazing. Yeah, uh, this had um, fucking Lionel Hampton is on this. No, he's not. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> John Gilmore, Charles Davison. This is, oh, this is good, it's, Evil. Yes. How did you good. fucking find this? I wanted to find just highly rated albums that were kind of off Main Street. Okay. Well, yeah, that is a, <laughs> that is a very, very good pick. <laughs> Sun Ra has one of the biggest jazz discographies ever. And I've never, like, I'll fully admit yeah. I've never really gotten into him. It's like trying to get into Harry Parch. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not easy, man. <laughs> but it's super fucking interesting. My next one, uh, I already briefly touched on him, but this has been one of my... I did a term paper. I did a term paper on him. The whole point of the term paper was basically people that did way more than they will ever get the respect they deserve for. And my number two is This Is Fats Domino by Fats Domino. Oh. Dude wrote more songs for more people that got big than anybody will ever know. And that's not even counting how just insanely amazing of a performer he was. And this one has Blue Monday and Blueberry Hill and mm -hmm. You Done Me Wrong. Jesus. And it's, I love Fats Domino so much. Dude. 1956, Fats Domino was the shit. What is your number two? The, the one album I found that was in my wheelhouse. Never heard of Gene Vincent before. Oh. Gene Vincent and the Blue Caps, 1957. Unchained Melody. 
That's uh, kind of close to Gene Vincent was almost skiffle bandy. He was. This is fun stuff to listen to. Yeah. All of these albums are super fun stuff to listen to. My number one from my favorite jazz artist of all time. To me, he's perfection. I haven't heard anything that he's done that was bad. It's 1957's Monk's Music by Thelonious Monk. Oh, nice. It's six songs long. It might be my favorite jazz album ever. I fucking love it. I listen to it all the time. Uh, anything Thelonious Monk has ever done is perfect to me. And anybody that says otherwise is insane. Those are my five favorites. What is your favorite? Save this one for last because if I had to make one of them number one, this might be it. Yuma Sumac, Mambo from 1954. Mambo number five. No, no, no. That was a joke. (laughs) There is like a, (laughs) there is one that has a number. It's like, I think it's number nine though. Yeah, Uma Sumac. uh, Her vocal range is ridiculous. What's her nationality? Uh, She's Peruvian. Fuck. Technically a soprano, but I think she, at one point at least, had a Guinness World Record for vocal range. Okay. (laughs) I mean, if you've seen The Big Lebowski, you've heard her before. <laughs> yeah. I'm Jackie Treehorn. That, like yeah. that scene. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen The Fifth Element, it, it's not Yuma Sumac, but it fucking certainly sounds it's like it. ish. Yes. Yeah. One of the, the most incredible vocal performers I have ever heard. I think she had a huge hand, and I'm saying think because I know very little about her, trying to remember fucking music theory from 30 years ago, but I, th- <laughs> I think... She had a huge hand in world music becoming clubs. Suddenly we're listening to not American music. You know, it was like South American. She was one of the first ones to ever fucking weird ones. Even (laughs) (laughs) it'll all, it'll make sense when you hear my top five songs. I had to, I had to balance out. No, it's good. We were talking about ones that we wouldn't have touched on that we should. I like that. I didn't just pick those because they were obscure. Those five albums are fucking nine out of 10, 10 out of 10 albums. Those are all really fucking good albums. I will have to listen to every single one of them because I think I only know like two of them. But now we got to get into five songs. Mine are fun, but they're fairly obvious-ish. Except, <laughs> yeah. for, except for my favorite. I, I think my favorite might throw people off. I have two alternates. Okay. I have two that don't fit the theme. One of them, I have no idea what year, because it's from a composer. He was born in 1874, uh, but he was extremely influential on John Williams. And I picked one song uh, off of his album or what it is, but it was called The Planets. He, he, is that Elgar? Uh, Gustav Holst. Oh, And I picked okay. uh, Mars is the, it's not a track. It's a, it's a <laughs> composition and it's fucking classical music. If you like John Williams, Star Wars, and Hans Zimmer, Mars is like the influence for fucking John Williams and Hans Zimmer. You can hear both of them in it. And I picked Patsy Cline's Crazy because that's that's one of the greatest songs ever written. That's a good one. That's really good. I'll do my number five. And I did rank these, but that's silly. Uh, But my number five is actually Hound Dog. Damn. While studying for this, when I did have playlists on and that song would come on, that was my most... I should probably repeat this a couple times. Mm. It's fucking Hound Dog. It's so good. Evil, what is your five? So my top five are... You're going to laugh at some of these. (laughs) All would be considered pop songs of of the time. You don't have Pat Boone on here, do you? You got me. No, this (laughs) is The Coasters. A little ditty from 1959 called Yakety Yak. 
I told you you're going to hate my top five. (laughs) I think it'll work. Well, actually, you know what you're going to like? You're going to like my number four song. A well-known gentleman in the 80s redid it and made it popular again. It's Just a Gigolo (laughs) by Louis Prima. Louis Prima doing Just a Gigolo is one of the greatest things that you'll ever hear or see. It was actually written by a German dude in 1929. Whoa. Yeah, Louis Prima kind of heard it and borrowed it, if you will. It's Just a Gigolo. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. That song is so fucking good. What's your fourth? 1955, Tennessee Ernie Ford's 16 Tons. I fucking love that song so <laughs> I much. I thought you might like that. Oh my God, that's such a good one. That should have been mine. What is the line? The if the right one doesn't get you, the left one will. If you see me coming, better step aside. A lot of men didn't. A lot of men died. One fist of iron. The other of steel. If the right one don't get you, then the left one will. You load six. That song is so fucking badass, dude. I'm glad you like that one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I wasn't sure. Poor man's made out of muscle and blood. Oh yeah. <laughs> Taking off the lightheartedness of this, my number three is "Strange Fruit" by Billie Holiday. Oh yeah. Let's not harp on it. That is a really tough listen, but it's one of the best songs ever written and performed. Uh, yeah, that's disturbingly epic. Southern trees bear strange fruit. Evil, what is your third? These next three, you're going to either love or hate each one of them. You can't go to a wedding without hearing this. Oh, f- you make me want to kick my heels up and down, throw my hands up and down, throw my head back and down. Come on. Shout? Yeah, it's yeah. shout. <laughs> no, I don't like that 17-minute fucking song. No. The Isley Brothers, shout, 1959. I don't hate that song. Like, that's yeah. a good song. And I love the Isley Brothers. I love yeah. the Isley Brothers. But it's too long. <laughs> In 1959, Barrett Strong wrote a song that would be used, covered so many times, and every single cover is amazing. It is impossible to fuck this song up because the song is so good and it's money. That's what I want. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I Evil, the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and the bees because I want fucking money. <laughs> That's good. What is your number two? Number two. What's your number two? Number Jailhouse Rock. That's I. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. That's a great song. It's, it's no hound dog, fucking, but it's it's fucking good, man. I I know most Elvis songs. I don't know the albums because I grew up with compilations and yeah, it's from an EP. It's from the movie jailhouse rock and it's just an EP. It was a small release. 
So it, it wasn't was on any big albums. It was for the movie, wasn't it? Yeah, it was for the movie. Yeah. I've always liked that. It's probably one of my favorite Elvis songs of all time. Fell in love with it even more when Jeff Beck covered it. Oh, God, uh, yeah. On Beck Ola. Yeah. And on holy Beck-Ola. shit. I have a tie for my favorite song because they're both my favorite song. So <laughs> they're polar opposites, but they are such a... As a man, you should listen to these songs at least once a year and just feel it. One of them you and I talked about already earlier today. Mm. It's the coolest song ever fucking written, and it's Muddy Waters' Manish Boy. Yes. When I was a young boy at the age of five, my mother told me I'd be the greatest man alive. (laughs) And that's... Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But... The one that would probably surprise people that it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I've loved it since I heard it when I was like 14. It's not even my style of music, but this song is when I want country, this is what I want. And it is the song Alone and Forsaken by Hank Williams. Out in the darkness, the whippoorwills cry. Alone and forsaken by fate and by man. Oh, Lord, if you hear me, please my hand oh please understand you know what's fucking amazing too is i just watched the last of us oh yeah the show there's a part where he and the little girl are driving in a truck and they're getting like attacked by these dudes in a city and it's alone and forsaken by hank williams one of my favorite songs of all time and i don't even think i can get the rights to to play it that's how fucking Stupid Hank Williams being popular back in the day, <laughs> having a label. Um, Evil, what what do you have for your last one? I know you're gonna hate. I know you're gonna hate this. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know you're gonna hate this so much that when I'm like, I'm gonna make that my top song. I had to redo <laughs> all my fucking albums. That's that's <laughs> the reason I found all these badass albums is because I picked this song. <laughs> I decided to like stop trying to judge music from this area to pick top whatever's and just start to listen to the playlists. Uh-huh. This one, every time it came up, I'm like, God damn it. I have loved this song as long as I can remember. Okay. It's a 50s song. It's a 50s pop. God, I don't even want to say it. <laughs> it's not like The Bird, is it? Well, it is The Bird because it's <laughs> Rock and Robin by Bobby Day. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. I mean, I don't hate that, but that's just so, that's so fucking weird. <laughs> I think I sang it in choir in like fourth or fifth grade or something, and I always loved that song. We've name dropped as much as we possibly can tonight. We did what we could do. Evil did a great job of pulling out some obscure ones. Hopefully that gives you a little taste of, you know, we touched on the jazz, we touched on the performers, we touched on the artists, the writers. We did what we could. Okay. I feel like with this, we have to come back to this era over and over again. We've talked about maybe revisiting just because there's so much to, yes, to find. Well, and hopefully a bunch of listeners, we consistently shout from the rooftops that we do not claim to be experts on anything. We know we are missing a shit ton of artists and music. And if there's something that you are wondering how the fuck we didn't at least mention, write us, tell us. We'll talk about it again. Absolutely. First chorus revisits on YouTube. We could probably revisit this episode 12 times. 
So easily, easily. The next time we are actually doing a year, we are doing the last year that will be allowed for our year dissections. We aren't doing a span. We are doing one year. Evil was the genius that thought of why we should cap it at that year. And we'll talk about it when we get there. But for now, that's it for us. Stay tuned for next week. We already talked about it. Doing a live reaction of the Metallica album. What? It's going to be insane. Evil, thank you for talking about 700 years worth of music with me tonight. (laughs) Thank you for making me talk about Peruvian dance music (laughs) from the 50s. Go listen to her, man. She's so good. Versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod. Go to the YouTubes. Go to the website. Thank you, everybody. Go listen to this stuff. I promise yeah. you're going to have yeah. so much fun. It is so fun, much fun music to listen to. That's for damn We're sure. tapped. We'll see you next week. Evil, let's have some scotch or something. I'm back on the wagon. Off the wagon. <laughs> Who cares? It's a stupid saying. It's so dumb. Yeah. Good night. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs>